Hey everybody, welcome to the Writer's Block Podcast. I'm J.R. Havlin. I have an unbelievable guest for you this time around. It's me! What? Oh my goodness, did you hear right? J.R. Havlin interviewing J.R. Havlin. The day had to come, and it is now. So settle in. It's going to be hot. Hot. I'm going directly into it. Just bring the music down. Bring it down. Bring it down. Right there. Bring it down. Slower. Slower. Now a little faster. And it's down. Perfect. Just me. And me. J.R. Havlin and J.R. Havlin. Here's the deal. I last week did a Reddit AMA. Ask me anything. Um, One of the things people could have asked me was uh, um, a week before I was asked to do this, did I know what AMA stood for in this case? And I wouldn't have known that. I was not familiar with the Reddit AMA, and uh, uh, and it, but it was really interesting and really really fun to do. And as you might imagine, when it's something that you do on the internet, I got a little feedback. Got got a little feedback from the internet community. <laughs> oh God! Oh boy, did we get feedback. Um, some of it, some of it, good. A lot of people were there. They had fun. They knew they they were. Um, Asking me questions, you know, mainly about the show, some stuff about the podcast, some stuff about my stand-up, some personal things, some goofball questions thrown in there. Uh, but there were also a lot of people who did were not pleased. I'm going to say that. They weren't pleased. Uh, I, I don't know if they went there wanting to be pleased. <laughs> it's, it seems like a lot of times forums like this are an opportunity for people to bitch about something. So the uh, topic um, doesn't seem to matter that much. But I want to address uh, m- all of that. I want to tell you about my experience. I did it uh, um, with uh, the people at Waywire. Uh, the whole thing was actually really good. They were great. They were very professional. The whole thing is really well done, really well run. And um, I wanted people who might not know it to have a slightly better understanding of how the thing went down. Uh, because a lot of people wanted, had questions. I mean, there were, you, they, first of all, you submit to the community a day in advance, not too far in advance, that you, uh, who you are and that you're going to be doing this AMA and that you can start submitting your questions at around, you know, that the morning that you're going to be doing it. I happen to do mine at 10 in the morning. The people at Waywire told me, listen, come on down. Do you're there for a couple of hours answering questions? We'll do um, a few videos uh, on questions that you think are more important or that you want to answer a little more fully. Otherwise, you go down, find some questions, just kind of go through uh, and answer as many of them as you can in a in a relatively small period of time, considering the number of questions that come in. Uh, for us, at least, in the first ten minutes we were there. It seemed like there were two or three hundred questions that had already come in. And obviously, I'm not going to get to those in two hours. So you try to find ones that are relatively serious or might be fun to answer and the ones that are most popular because they sort of vote for them on the Reddit site. Uh, so uh, some of them uh, get thumbs up and they just become more popular. So more people want to answer to that. So you try to get to those. 
And then you save, like I said, for the videos, some of the more uh, interesting ones are ones that uh, you want to say a little bit more about. But even those videos are two or three minutes long at the tops, so you're not really going to get into much detail or depth. And if you tried to get into any depth on certain questions that require that within the uh, format of the uh, of the AMA uh, in the written answers, you're also not going to, you know, be able to answer hardly any questions. <clears throat> so you try to keep it relatively simple, and in my case, relatively light. I'm a comedy writer. I'm a stand-up. I think that's perfectly obvious, <laughs> or at one point or another will become obvious. And that's what I do for a living is what I've done for a very long time. And so I have a tendency to go into a situation like that and think, well, people are going to want me to be funny here. Um, they're going to want me to answer questions, but they're also going to want me to be funny. And I'm going to want to be funny because that's what I do. That's me. That's the person that I put forth when I present myself to the nation and the world as I have done. So I was uh, cracking wise a lot on um, uh, answering a lot of questions. But when you come to a website where you're asking questions of a professional comedy writer on a television show, and it's also he's also a stand-up, um, for you not to expect that uh, some of those questions are going to be answered with uh, jokes, um, that that uh, the guest is going to be um, at least attempting <laughs> in some of your minds to be funny uh, at certain points is just plain old strange to me. I didn't really, I, I didn't expect that to be a, uh, uh, a problem because to me that's, it's, it's like going to a shoe store or something and, and bitching at the person in front of you because they, you can't get a hamburger or something. I, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing there? It doesn't make sense. On the other hand, I do totally respect that people are interested in the show. Um, some of them, less of them, are interested in me personally and my own journey and my own thoughts. Uh, and that they really want to, they have questions that they would like to have answered. And I knew that going in, and the plan, I also knew that I had a very limited time to do this, uh, but that you could continue doing it um, at your own pace uh, later for as long as you wanted to. So in the two-hour window that I was given, um, which I turned into three voluntarily by myself so that I could get to more stuff, um, I answered uh, kind of everything I could, and I was going to just, uh, you know, go through, try to crack wise a couple of times with uh, certain questions. I was going to um, try to answer some relatively straight. I was trying to get something funny in on all of them, again, because that's what I do. And then I was uh, picking out a few that were coming in that were maybe like a lot of people were asking a certain question, or it's kind of an interesting question, a more interesting question that we would save for the videos. And I knew that that would be a little more serious, the videos, uh, even though I threw in some humor in those as well because I can't help myself. And I knew that following that, I would be doing 
I would be going back on later that day, um, and then I did it on a Sunday. I was going to go back on Monday, maybe even Tuesday, and go back through a bunch of questions, see which ones got a lot of responses or got a lot of thumbs up, and try to you know spend a little more time answering some of those because I take it seriously. That's why one of the reasons I have the podcast. I have a feeling that people are interested, genuinely interested in this stuff, and want detailed answers. Every time I meet somebody at a party, uh, if they don't know who I am, when they find out what I do, they tend to ask me the same questions. You know, how did I get my job? And how does your day go? And is John a nice guy? And all of these questions that, like, I decided, well, I I may as well go ahead and try to answer those in more detail on the podcast and ask it of uh, guests from other shows because that's what people seem to genuinely be interested in. So that's why I have this. It's a very reason um, that I'm doing the podcast because I take those questions seriously and I believe that people want to know the answers to them. And that's how I felt about the AMA and that's why I knew I was going to go back Monday and Tuesday answering more questions, which is what I did. But believe it or not, the judgment of some people on the internet, believe this or not, you might not believe this, but the judgment of some people on the internet is relatively quick. (laughs) And so within the first hour, if that, of not seeing detailed answers to the questions that they want to hear, you get uh, a lot of people saying, this is the worst thing ever, and all of these things. There's a lot of people saying, I was forcing forcing the comedy, you know, (laughs) trying too hard to be funny. Uh, So one guy... Uh, let's say, you know, green sleeves 14 or whatever the hell it was, uh, was saying how a long time ago, or that he said, I took an improv class once and my improv teacher told me, never, never try to be funny. That's what the, that's an improv thing. Never try to be funny. And so then he went on to say that because I was trying to be funny, which is right. I was trying to be funny. <laughs> Again, it's what I do. It just, uh, it's, it's an occupational hazard, I guess. Me trying to be funny. <laughs> so uh, what, what the improv teacher told this guy, never try to be funny. True comedy, true humor comes organically. And look, I mean, maybe that's a good improv thing. I'm not exactly sure. I've, I've seen my share of improv and um, often what I see are people on stage trying to be funny and often being funny, but, um, you know, the, nobody's not thinking about being funny. Um, and the thing is with improv and what I do is a difference anyway, so that doesn't really even apply to I'm a I'm a writer for a, I'm a stand-up comedian. When I go on stage, I'm trying, my purpose is to be funny as soon as I can and as frequently as I can. <laughs> Because that's the job. And then as a writer for a show that is on every day or four days a week, um, guess what? You know, you can sit back and let punchlines come to you organically if you like. But if you do that, you're probably going to get fired because there are deadlines and you have to come up with jokes. And that's part of what I do. So with all due respect to Greensleeves 14 improv guy um i i uh i i don't apologize <laughs> for cracking wise 
what I do, um, I don't know that I would apologize for it necessarily, but um, the reason I went back the next couple of days and the reason I wanted to address it a little more here was because um, I did feel in looking at it that, hey, you know, maybe some people didn't get certain answers uh, and they might not still get them. And there's different reasons for that. First of all, not all the questions were even serious. So uh, there was plenty of uh, jokey tones in a lot of the questions as well. I mean, somebody saying like, you know, what, how, if, who would, given the choice, would you fight one horse-sized John Stewart or a hundred chicken-sized John Stewart or, you know, whatever, whatever that gag is. And, and I answered that with, uh, um, with, a, with a joke answer was something, it was like I said, you know, I said that uh, uh, having done both, I would say that a uh, a, a horse sized John Stewart is not to be trifled with, you know, cute little joke answer to a joke question, and so there were a lot of those kind of things in there, and, and but there were also a lot of serious questions. And one of them that got a lot of feedback and like negative in that I didn't answer it correctly was uh, one about how how did John prepare for his uh, debate with Bill O'Reilly? And did you guys help him? And my answer was, quote, I have this one right in front of me. Have you seen the movie Rocky? It was a lot like that, mainly eating half a dozen raw eggs for breakfast and then running through the streets at dawn wearing old sweaty gray sweats. And yes, we helped him, but it was mainly John. And I think that's funny, but I also realize that it uh, um, doesn't answer the question at all. But here's the other thing. First of all, sometimes it's not something that I'm free to answer. But in a case like this, I mean, how much time do you have? I did go back and answer that more seriously. But the more serious answer is is one that you would get in your own head if you thought about it for a little bit. And it was just that he prepared by going into further study of topics that were important to him, um, that were important to the world currently, you know, at that time, uh, topics that Bill routinely covered on his show, um, things that we had seen uh, Bill do in the past that uh, um, that that bothered us or, or confused us, and and preparing to uh, debate someone in the way that you would prepare to debate somebody else by filling yourself with the information and what you believe to be the facts, and in this case, you know certain jokes because again, John is is going to want to be funny in that situation. Because that's what he does, and a lot of people expect it, and for good reason, <laughs> you know. I mean, to go to a thing like that and expect it to just be a flat-out, like, Lincoln-Douglas debate or something, it's like, you know, maybe some people did, and they were all pissed off because John was telling jokes. I, You know, I'm sure he gets the same thing. So he studied and uh, prepared uh, based on his own uh, beliefs, conversations that we have in the writer's room, there was discussion about it. There were a couple of writers who specifically were assigned uh, to help him out a little bit um, by just kind of finding other things. We have researchers. I mean, he has a staff. Bill O'Reilly has a staff. Probably went through somewhat the same process. And uh, that was it, on top of the fact that I wasn't there for a lot of it, and I'm not inside John's head, so I didn't really have 
the exact answer to that. So it really was like it's a debate. You prepare for it by preparing, by getting information in your head. And so I answered that later, but people got really upset and I wish they, I wish they hadn't. And, uh, um, and for those who didn't um, and stuck with it and got a, a, a funny answer at first and a, uh, as real an answer as I could give them later, then bless you. Those, you I like you people. You're normal. You're interested. And, um, and I hope you got what you, uh, what you came for. Um, let's see. I'll answer some more. Um, a lot of people were interested in how long John is going to be at the show. And um, the, the question was, how long will he be at the show? And I said, forever and ever, amen. You know, quoting whatever song that is. I think it's called Forever and Ever, Amen, but I don't know who does it. Some dude in a cowboy hat is my guess. And then they said who, if he leaves, who would replace... But I don't know that. I, I don't know the answer of how long. John's con he has a contract negotiations between John and the people that pay John. And believe it or not, I'm not there for those. <laughs> I don't... I have not once been invited. I should be... I, maybe I should be upset about that. Maybe I could help. I could say, what do you, you know, you should ask for more. This is a, this is highway robbery. What they, you know, that they give you like $17 an hour. That's crazy. So that they asked who would replace him was another question. And I answered that saying why, if somebody replaced him, it would probably be Ray Lewis. Because Ray Lewis was in my head and seemed like a funny thing to say. And I still think it's funny. It's funny. The guy, Ray Lewis, it's absurd. It's not something that I, that was, believe it or not, Improv, so call it organic. <laughs> it just popped into my head. And uh, then they also asked about the Tui Asasopo thing, and they begged us to stop doing Tui Asasopo jokes. But that's, you know, this, this is kind of an interesting thing, too, because I think uh, um, one thing that people might like to hear about the show, because it was a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes things, some questions, some that I, like, can't, can't answer because I don't know the answer, and some that I just choose not to answer because it's behind the scenes and some and somehow belongs or should just stay there. But one of the things that we do at the show, because it is a comedy show, and and it's a comedy show that deals with very real issues in the world. Um, a lot of a lot of people ask me how I how I can kind of tolerate um, emerging myself or, or immersing myself <clears throat> in the these these issues and these politics and watching all the watching all the different news channels and seeing the silly things that you see and seeing people saying different things uh, than they said the day before and people arguing about things without using facts and how do I tolerate that every day and the answer is because uh, um, I think this might go for a lot of the staff at the Daily Show what makes it easier for us is that we are able to respond to it. And uh, um, and respond to it in a way that a lot of people appreciate, um, a creative way, something that uh, um, you know helps us live and breathe, uh, despite the constant smog that we have to uh, um, uh, deal with in the topics that we cover. And also within that, we like to mix it up with fun things like Tuiasasopo, where we're just telling ridiculous jokes and and we're just having fun 
when we're dealing with intense topics like the, the debt ceiling or you know wars, <laughs> I mean whatever kind of uh, um, you know stuff that we're dealing with, we like to be able to every once in a while you see a story that's just amusing to you because it's amusing, and we like to go ahead and do that. And with a story like Tuiasasopo, it just seemed fun to keep that thing running. And part of that was a little bit of a parody on how long it ran. And, you know, John almost kind of saying like, hey, look, I've been fooled by this guy too. And I get repeatedly fooled by him. And that was part of what was fun about it. And I I don't know that it's necessarily going to be retired. And it wouldn't be the first time on the show that we've uh, run... A, a fun, silly gag into the ground. Um, I think one of the prime examples about of that uh, would be um, anytime we uh, mentioned any kind of association, this gag went on for, I don't know, Jesus, must have gone on for a couple of years, if not longer, um, where we would say like the, you know, National Organization for Women or NAMBLA. <laughs> or whatever the associate, the United States Postal Service or NAMBLA. You know, we would do, we did that joke. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be interested in the final count, but it was way more than we'll ever get to with the Tuiasa Sopo thing. But the reason we did it, because it was fun and it just injected something silly into something that is very intense uh, for, for us at the show. So that was that. Let me look for another one here. Um, the question came in, what were some of the jokes you wrote for The Simpsons? Where do you get your inspiration? Now, how seriously can you take a, a question about from, the, you're a writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. There's nothing, you've never, uh, there was no mention of The Simpsons. I'm not even sure where that came from. Who is this person and what are you asking me this question for? So my answer was, I never wrote for The Simpsons. Stop getting your information from Wikipedia. And I, it made me laugh. And it made the people around me who were taping it laugh. And um, I think they even put that on like the, uh, the one video of the, of the behind the scenes, scenes kind of thing. But the next question was, where do you get your inspiration? And maybe because I was didn't want to answer, answer anybody legitimately who had just asked me what jokes I wrote for The Simpsons, I wrote easy. Every Thursday, Vilma from accounting comes in with my check. That usually does the trick. And uh, and then I wrote also Woody Allen because he's Woody Allen. That's what that's my inspiration. And I I think there was a string of things after that that people kind of like uh, uh, you, you went off on a little bit for not giving them a, a serious answer. But again, you know, I'm being asked about The Simpsons. I don't even know, understand. But as for my inspiration, so I kind of blew that one off. But uh, um, I've answered this before. You know, the inspiration, but I wanted to go ahead and answer that because, you know, it's a legitimate question. And it's something that somebody might want to hear. So the inspiration for um, a lot of comedy writers <clears throat> is there's plenty of it. You know, inspiration for anybody, what you do, it comes from so much background and experiences in your life. Um, if I'm going way back, I remember as a kid loving cartoons, Warner Brothers cartoons and uh, um, and the Banana Splits 
and you know, and then I would even watch like the and and the Flintstones and 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 Gilligan's Island and just I mean the Brady Bunch, whatever. The, all these things that was a little later, but when I was a kid, it was cartoons and I loved it. And I'm watching if I'm watching Bugs Bunny back then and I'm laughing. A lot of times it's not for the same reasons that I'm laughing now, right? Because I'm watching Bugs Bunny, and what's funny to me is that he jumps up in the air and his feet flap around, and then he takes off, and there's nothing but a puff of smoke there. And Yosemite Sam is left wondering what happened. And that, to me, would be funny. Uh, but now I also am laughing at what Bugs Bunny said before he split, whatever it was. But back then, it's just, it's always physical comedy when you're a kid. So the funniest thing, the first thing that's funny to any of us is seeing somebody get hit in the groin. And it's just, it's never, that's, that's human nature. That's like for deck eons that has been cavemen, guaranteed, guaranteed a caveman or one or another got hit in the groin with a rock at one point. And all the other ones, every other caveman was just laughing their ass off laughing so hard that they probably just didn't even realize that the sound of their laughter attracted wolves who came and then killed so many of them because some guy got hit in the groin. And so so thank God more cavemen weren't getting hit in the groin. They might not have survived. What a drag that would have been for us. All their laughter would have attracted their predators and they, they would have been killed off. But that's, I'm going back to being a kid and watching cartoons and having this stuff be funny to me and then having it be funny to me on a certain level that then as I grew up and began to understand the wordplay and the other things that were going on around the physicality of the humor, that became really intriguing to me and that was what drove me into wanting to be able to create those sorts of moments with, with words and... That's what uh, um, that's what I ended up going into. I, that's what I ended up being interested in, and and um, uh, the the path to that is another question that is a very long answer. But I never lost the joy of physical comedy. I loved the Three Stooges. My favorites were the Marx Brothers. Always, even from a very young age, when I was, I think, eight years old, I independently. Um, came up with the idea to go out for Halloween dressed as Harpo Marx. I had very curly hair, believe it or not, looking at my picture now. Almost white boy fro kind of thing, like big ass curly hair. And I had my mom powder it white. It was already kind of blondish. And uh, I just get white, a bunch of white powder in there. I got a little overcoat and I had a horn that I held under my overcoat. And I went out with my friends, most of whom had no idea who I was or what I was doing, and would go up to the houses and they would say trick or treat. And I didn't speak the whole night when they would say trick or treat. I would honk my horn and not say a word and then get the candy and honk my horn again to the adult at the door who totally got what I was doing and loved it. And then I would split. And then I'd talk to my friends when we were out on the street, when we're switching candy and shit. And that was an eight-year-old kid. And I kind of like got on a, I, I, I look back on that and I feel like I'm not exactly sure how I, I got to, to thinking that that was funny. And then also had the balls to go ahead and present myself that way. 
Um, as far as stand-up, I'm inspired by a lot of different comics. Uh, when I first came out, my very favorite comic was Jake Johansson. By a long shot, I just loved this guy. I loved his style. I loved the way that he looked and the way that he moved and the way that he wrote and the way that he presented everything. And I still do. He's such a great comic. And so I would actually kind of acted like him for a long time until, like a lot of beginning comics, you're mimicking people a little bit potentially until you find your own groove and then you do what you do. Uh, but uh, uh, but Jake was a massive inspiration on the way I wanted to kind of present myself uh, on stage and the sorts of things I wanted to do, um, which turned me into more a little bit more of a storyteller type of uh, type of comic rather than just a joke telling type of comic. Um, as far as TV and all that stuff, it continues to um, influence me and inspire me. Uh, there are plenty of shows on. Um, uh, that that I'm watching now that I just think are are great. I think like Parks and Rec is a great show. Thirty Rock, unfortunately gone now, was a great show. So, and uh, um and shows like I've been watching now a lot of uh, um uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which I had never watched before, but I I'm, I'm thinking is great. Now that's that's a slightly smaller scale. They have a smaller kind of staff of people to work with. Um. And they introduce new characters as they go along, but one of the things that I, uh, but they do a great job with those characters that they have and the situations that they put them in, and the humor is uh, is just really well done. I think it's a good example of something you can get done when you're probably not getting as much pressure from um, suits and such uh, as you might if you're on, you know, an NBC show or something, which is what makes what they can do at uh, Parks and Rec kind of so amazing to me too. I'm not sure how much of an effect that has on the final product, but they just do, at Parks and Rec, such a great job of having created these very specific characters. A lot of that goes to the credit, a lot of credit goes to the actors as well for being able to establish them. Um, but to get them into situations where they're, they're not, it's not only funny, but the characters are constantly being pro- progressed forward. They are... Um, being filled in as you go and they become real people and you learn to expect certain things from them and that's what makes the reactions that they come up with the the writers and the entire staff there so amazing um and hopefully when i go out to uh, la in in march and do a bunch of uh, podcasts i'll be talking to uh, dan gore who's an executive producer over at parks and rec and uh, i'm excited about that so look for that one um Here's another one. The question was, who is funnier in real life, Jon Stewart or Stephen Colbert? Now, this could be a question that was either just a jokey thing or they were serious. I'm not sure, you know, if they thought they were going to get like a full-on answer for this. But it turns out that it appears some people uh, did want a very serious answer to this question. (laughs) Of course, it's, you know, subjective, and uh, um, all that. Unless you go to the Rolling Stone, funniest people I think of 2012 or whatever it was, John was four and Stephen was two. So uh, Tina Fey was three and Louis C.K. was one. So Stephen won. So the answer is Stephen, apparently, um, if you go with the professional opinion. Um, My answer that I put on there was Hard to say since they are both Trappist monks who never speak off camera. 
Um, so <laughs> again, a fine example of me just purely trying to tell a joke off of something and making someone laugh, uh, uh, some people laugh, but a lot of people got pissed at me and started, I don't know, going and, and, um, and defining Trappist monks and saying things about, you know, uh, does this mean they do this or whatever based on what a Trappist monk actually is. To be honest with you, I'm not exactly entirely sure of the uh, exact definition or lifestyle of a Trappist monk. I just knew that there were such things as Trappist monks, and it sounded funny to me <laughs> to say Trappist monk, and it still does, and that's why I used that. So um, excuse me for not having done my research on whether or not uh, that answer made sense <laughs> as well as worked comedically, uh, but I was just going for the, uh, uh, the second part of that. But for anybody that is interested in my own opinion um, of who is funnier in real life, John Stewart or Stephen Colbert, <clears throat> there's not, there, there simply is, again, there's not really an answer to that. Um, the, these two guys are obviously two of the funniest guys in show business, uh, who are trying to be funny and they are both, um, routinely hilarious off stage when they want to be. Um, they have different training. Uh, Steven is an improv guy. And, um, and John is a stand-up guy. I don't know that Steven ever did straight stand-up. And I don't know that John, I don't think he did. And I don't know that John ever did improv. I don't think he did. So they come from different backgrounds. And in certain situations, are gonna, one is going to be funnier than the other. But if you are interviewing both of them, um, I've, you know, read, I've read interviews that they've done. I've seen interviews that they've done and they're brilliant at it and they're great at it. And one of the things that they do that I didn't quite learn myself in watching them or remember myself is that they are great at giving a legitimate answer and making it funny. So, uh, um, I was concentrating on making it funny. <laughs> so you live and learn. Um, but that's, uh, but, but they're both, uh, totally amazing, uh, individuals, which is the reason that they're in the position that they're, the positions that they're in. Um, and, uh, uh, but do they just sit around crack and wise all the time? Not at all. Um, but I can say that, uh, uh, with as much as John has on his plate, um, he comes in every day, uh, with, uh, an, an amazing amount of energy and, uh, um, and, doing uh, his best, which is a very good job, of bringing that energy to the, uh, to the room and the show and trying to bring um, some joy and goofiness and funniness and seriousness. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's a really fun thing to be able to see on a daily basis. So that's that. I don't want to ramble on too much um, and go through a bunch of these things. The main point of my wanting to do this was just to get out the idea that I really do care that, and I take seriously that people care about what I do um, and that they want to know more about it. It's one of the main reasons that I started this podcast. I thought it would not only be interesting to a lot of people, I thought it would be inspirational 
to a lot of people and helpful to a lot of people. And that's an honest thing. That's what, um, you know, I'm spending my extra time doing this for. Uh, it, it interests me. I know why it interests other people. And, um, and I try to uh, uh, answer those questions. Um, I try to uh, fill in the blanks that uh, uh, people have. And I'll make my best effort to continue doing that. Um, now, if you have any questions uh, about the AMA, about the podcast, about uh, um, anything having to do with uh, uh, you know, my professional uh, life, then you can submit them to uh, Writer's Block Podcast at Gmail. That's B-L-O-C, Writer's Block Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. It's at Writer's Block Pod. Um, you can give feedback there as well. Ask me any questions. Uh, give me guest suggestions, people you'd like to see, shows you'd like to know more about. Um, and look... There are, are a decent number of people following the show right now, and um, I'm happy about that. I think it's great. Um, it's certainly not what I would describe as overwhelming, which means that um, I also have an opportunity to uh, legitimately address individual questions that uh, um, come in at this point, and, and, and I'm happy to do that, whether or not it's just over the email or over, the, over Twitter um, or it actually becomes uh, some subject on the show, um, I might even make that a regular uh, segment, which is, uh, you know, viewer mail kind of thing, except not viewer, listener. But you're looking at something. Whatever you're viewing when you're listening to the podcast, then you're, you're viewing something. You're all viewing something. I, no disrespect to blind people who listen to the podcast. Oh, boy. Um... But I think you uh, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. I'm going to get to uh, your questions in a serious and potentially joking manner. Just heads up, people. Heads up. Heads up to the people who tune in. There might be some comedy involved, and uh, uh, it might not be organic. Now, in closing, I will only say that I am taping this right now on Sunday. Um... February, is that right? February, 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 February. Something, you know, you never get used to a stupid word like that. February 3rd, 5.30, Super Bowl. It's going to be starting pretty soon. Ravens Niners. I am from the Bay Area, been a 49er fan all my life. And by the time you're listening to this, the game will have been played. It will be over. The 49ers will, of course, be the champions of the NFL Football Players League. And, uh, um, and you can mark my words. It's a, done, it's a done deal. Congratulations to the 49ers and to um, MVP Colin Kaepernick. I don't know how you did it, uh, but you did. Fantastic for you. And uh, uh, that, I, there's no way, the beauty of this is that there's no way it can possibly come back to haunt me. And I'm so glad that I'll be able to watch them win. Just, oh, God, they're going to crush them. Fantastic. And if not, that's writer's block podcast at Gmail. I'm sure you'll be happy to send me 
some loving thoughts. Quick heads up, I have a great guest for our next episode, Rory Albanese is the executive producer of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. But he was also the head writer and co-producer of the 2008 Academy Awards. I was a writer for the awards that year as well as in 2006. And because this episode will be released Monday the 18th, just six days before this year's Oscars, Rory and I have decided to focus solely on that experience. It's going to be great. Writing for the Oscars. Learn all about it on Writer's Block Podcast with my guest Rory Albanese. That's at Rory Albanese on Twitter. Monday the 18th. Don't miss that one. Heads up number two. I'm going to LA in March to tape a bunch of episodes with some amazing people. We're going to get off this daily show train for a little while. Writer for Conan, writer for Bob's Burgers. I'm going little old school with some Everybody Loves Raymond alums. And I'm going real old school with a guy who wrote for the Carol Burnett Show and Love American Style. I mean, come on going to start getting better and better up in the writer's block. Thanks for being a part of it. Good night, everybody. Go Niners! Go Niners!